big rocks and all that sort of thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to, uh, 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 I can't think of a suitable ironic phrase. Welcome to a larger than life uh, edition of the Mick Wall podcast. A journey. Out of hell. Featuring Johnny out of hell. Yeah, Hotter. that's me. Um, because, it, uh, all kidding aside, sad news over the weekend about the death of Meatloaf. The great Meatloaf. The mighty Meatloaf. Who... Uh, much, bo- sorry, sorry, much diminished in later years, sadly. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you mean like his, his yeah. voice, his... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, I think it was one of those rock star passings that wasn't entirely unexpected. Not at all. Um, when I was, uh, and I remember you helped me work on that book quite considerably. I the did. the meatloaf. Book. I was very helpful. You were exceedingly very helpful. helpful. Very being an expert, you know, one of the expert inputters. A- absolutely, yes. and I and I did get the invoice, so that was. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, my 2017 book, the imaginatively titled Like a Bat Out of Hell. Is that what you called it? In the yeah, end? The mm. Larger Than Life Story of Meatloaf. I told you what you should have called it. What was that? You should have called it More Than You Deserve. Yeah. Which was Jim's. You didn't tell third. me. I wish I you did. had, I wish you had I told thought. me that. That would have been fantastic. The, the key early song in the Jim Steinman canon, the song that really brought Meatloaf to attention, really. Which really brought us more than we deserved. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's well, you didn't, can I just say, you definitely didn't I, suggest, or I'd have used it, and I couldn't think of a title for that book. Well, I, I honestly don't know who you were listening to then at that stage. <laughs> okay, let's begin at the beginning. We both uh, had lots of personal experiences with The Loaf, and, and particularly in your case, Jim Steinman. The Jim, yes. Um on Friday, when the news broke, um, I had I had all sorts of people ringing up for interviews. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was on Sky News. Oh, Chat- well, I didn't know you were on Sky News. I heard you on another kind of news. I was on GB News. GB News. You know, with my Trump hat. Yeah. <laughs> That's where all the Ma- the MAGA fans found out about me. <laughs> Um, GB with Eamon Holmes. I like Eamon Holmes. Oh, you know, me and him fab. are very, you know, we're on the same page. Well, you're both Man U fans, aren't you? There you are, with yeah. Irish blood. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, GB News, Sky News, Channel 5 News, Associated Press News, the BBC World Service, BBC 5, Talk Radio, right, LBC. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And I ended up writing a story for the Sunday Express. So Meatloaf would have been so pleased. That's all I can say. <laughs> He'd have but, been delighted that his, his passing generated so much work for you. No, I, <laughs> And the book went to I number mean, one on Amazon. You know, a, <laughs> every <laughs> every cloud. Every cloud. No, absolutely. Um, no, no, the reason, <laughs> the reason I mention that is because um, it was amazing... Uh, to me, two things. One, the amount of people uh, yeah. that interviewed me had n- knew absolutely nothing, had never even heard of Jim Steinman. The woman on, um, I don't know what it was, some radio station, she didn't even know there'd been a Bat Out of Hell album before I'd do anything for love. Yeah. yeah. She did this whole uh, rambling, it might have been Sky News, rambling thing about... Um, how when she was at school, I'd do anything for love and all this. When I told her there'd been a, a bat out of hell album in 78, uh, what? A, astonishment. Yeah. But that's the thing. I mean, I think what that showed, I think what you're talking about, what that showed was 
how famous meatloaf was mm. and how famous he was beyond just the rock sphere yeah you know it's a sort of um i would imagine got the same sort of reaction that you know should ozzy ever pass on which i don't think he will by the way obviously gonna live forever but <laughs> you know that kind of fame that stretches beyond the yeah. simple yeah music fans because he also obviously acted a little bit and but just well, back, quite back a lot you know, he did six he appeared in 65 yeah, right. movies yeah. which is amazing isn't 63 it? of which were terrible Oh, crap, yeah. <laughs> but he was in Fight Club, and and I think, um, yeah, so it demonstrated his fame, it also demonstrated his longevity. As you say, you could kind of tell the age of his fans by the era they, they got into his music, a bit like a James Bond or something, you know, it, yeah, it, it, who, yeah, yeah, you know, for me, obviously, that would be Sean Connery, <laughs> and for uh, you, uh, um, Daniel Craig. <laughs> 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 No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what that that's what that kind. Of, but what I found interesting, and I guess what we'll get into as we start to talk about him, and I think it's something that he recognised through his life is the idea of who and what Meatloaf actually is and was, because mm. we all know, obviously, it's it's clangly obvious to say it's not his real name. Yeah. And he did go through a process of changing his real name, I think, which I hadn't, I don't know if I realised that until I was reading some of the obituaries where he was obviously, his his real, real name, his birth name mm. was Marvin Lee Aday, yeah. which he later changed to Michael Lee Aday, which yes. I, I didn't know he'd done that. But he didn't do that till quite so sort of later in life. Meatloaf was a nickname given to him at high school. But what I would say is Meatloaf, the character that we talk about as the singer, I think you have to imagine a Venn diagram. Mm. And I think in one circle is Jim Steinman and the songs that he wrote and the universe that he created. And in the other circle is Marvin Lear Day, the kid from Texas who sang these songs. And in the middle is this character of Meatloaf that was kind of a synchronisation of those two things. Well put. I think like all these things there's a certain amount of luck involved because there just is in life. But, um, uh, because Steinman had been working on this set of songs for quite a few years. He He was trying to bring to life the Peter Pan uh, story as a musical. Yeah, well, I mean, this this is true. I mean, Jim and and Meat couldn't have been more different. That's the first thing to say, isn't it? You know, Meatloaf was from Texas, son of a police officer who was quite a violent guy. Very violent. Pulled yeah. a knife on him. That's yeah, why uh, I ended up leaving home. Right. So, you know, a completely different background to Jim, who went to Amherst College, yeah. which is one of America's... Most elite, I- elite private schools. Y- yeah. Uh, you know, who and was going to go off and write musicals after he'd done that. And and, and, it, and indeed did. He, he worked did. with Joseph Pat, Shakespeare yeah. in the Park, yeah. various other things. And at one point, he writes a musical called More Than You Deserve, yes. which is where he first meets Meatloaf. And More Than You Deserve is written... Well, I think it was... Performed in seventy four, I think. Yeah, so a few, a few, a few yeah, performances. A few, yeah, um, one of which is on YouTube, which is really worth checking out. There's a performance of the song "More Than You Deserve," which was the climax of the show. Right, Meat sings it, and it's a it's a recording from the last night, and it's very rough. It's obviously just done from the audience, but you can hear how brilliant his voice was. Right, and at the end, he gets this standing ovation, which is it's quite moving actually. The crowd just stand up and roar after he sings this song. And it's fabulous. It's really worth checking out. It's on YouTube. If you just Google More Than You Deserve 1974, I think it'll come up. But I think the thing to say about that is it, it was about... The, the the thrust of the musical was a group of soldiers back from Vietnam. They yes. were all very damaged. Meatloaf played a character called Rabbit, I think, yes. who was one of the more damaged soldiers. And at the end, he sings a song called More Than You Deserve, which is a classic early Steinman song. And it's about a guy. It's about a guy who uh, finds his girlfriend has gone off with his best friend, and in the way that many of Jim's songs would go on to do, it sort of puts women on a pedestal, which is quite different to a lot of rock music. But, but you know, idealizes women in many ways. And the meatloaf is turning around to his best friend and saying, "Won't you take some more? It's what you came for. It's more than you deserve. More yeah. than you deserve to be with yeah. this one." So it's a fabulous song. It's a nice little twist of the kind that Jim will go on and write a lot. And Meat's voice early on is tremendous. You know, yeah. he's a huge guy. He sings it operatically. Fabulous. So I think at that point, you can kind of hear the the you know the this partnership coming together. Steinman is in thrall 
It's a uh, meatloaf. And Steinman, had, by the way, that snoring in the background is Coco the Metal Pug, or Coco the Meatloaf mm. Pug mm. today. As he is today. Um He's very, he's very much shaped like meatloaf. In the he's very meatloaf esque. <laughs> he is. He is. He is very solid torso. Built, yeah, big bones. Built to last. More, yeah. more pug than we deserve. Yeah, exactly. To be honest, yeah, yeah. Um, Steinman had tried out other singers. You know, like typical good-looking romantic hero type singers. Um, meatloaf had had a very kind of shaky start. Um, He'd actually been signed to Motown in the late 60s, That's early right, 70s, yeah. with that woman, Stoney. Sto- yeah, a female singer called Stoney, Stoney. Yeah, who he made an album with, I think. Which is interesting, too, because obviously the female, the Beauty and the Beast, Meatloaf and the various female vocalists comes up again later. Yeah. But um, it, it hadn't gone well, had been a big flopperoonie, although they had done shows with kind of late 60s icons like The Who and... The James Gang, even Pink Floyd, I think, at one point. Yeah. O- opening slots, obviously. Can you imagine how that went down? Oh, yeah. For Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> um, he ends up uh, broke as a parking lot attendant out on the West Coast somewhere. And, and, and the theatre where he's working in the car park is doing a production of Hair, which um. was the late 60s musical where everybody uh, took their clothes off or performed naked. And uh, long story short... I think they should stick to that now. I think all musicals musicals should should be be naked. naked. That would would fill the West End considerably. (laughs) I'd be there. Not for um, some of them. I I did ask him about this once, and he was telling me how he played the part of Ulysses S. Grant. (laughs) Did he? And I said, what happened when you had to take off your clothes? And he said... Um, I told them I wouldn't take off my clothes. I said, what did they say? He said, they didn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, I think you're absolutely... Here's the thing that makes Meat and Jim work, and it's the thing that makes all of Steinman's songs work, is they're, they're for and about losers. Yeah. They have to be... Yeah. Then they have to be sung in that way. This is why he goes on and takes Bonnie Tyler, you know, a washed yeah. up... Yeah. Uh, sort of, well, not know, even barely, barely washed barely, up. Barely so washed two up, minor barely, hits. Yeah, he takes Air Supply, a kind of useless Australian couple yeah. of you know wimpy yeah. guys, yeah. and gives them making love out of nothing. To, and it, it's constant through his career that his songs work best, and they work absolutely best of all with Meatloaf because here's this twenty-five stone, mm. as you say, lo- loser guys, never going to pull the woman. Certainly not. You wouldn't go, well, there's a rock star. No. You wouldn't even do that now. The opposite to a rock star. And this is why when they start hawking the songs from Bat Mm. Out of Hell Around, which Mm. they would do, they would go into record companies and play them. So Jim at the piano, meet singing. I mean, you can imagine what sort of an A&R meeting that was. You can imagine them going, for Christ's sake. They didn't tell us that they were bringing in a giant. Yeah, and and he's there singing. And you just... You know, you'd be confounded by this. But also, I want to that point you make about uh, songs about losers and that is absolutely right. Um, but it's so interesting because in America, to this day, but I mean, right through history, particularly back then, uh, 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 American heroes are all are never losers. You know that the yeah. worst insult you can pay an American, particularly a m- young male. American or any male American, but young is you're a loser. I mean, it's just it's the bit over here. It's almost a compliment. Yeah. You know, but in America, <laughs> yeah. in America, it's just it, yeah. you, you. It's just the worst thing you can call anybody, and yet they do these kind of um, aspirational songs for, yeah. for people that are, 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 as you say, losers. Yeah, I mean, it's that thing of... Steinman, losers in the context yeah. of the American dream. I mean, Steinman would turn it on its head. It's that very kind of teenage thing of not really working out what your identity is yet, not really knowing who you are, not really understanding how the world works, and fighting against these idealised concepts of what a man is, what a woman is, yeah. how these things work. And high school is very much the sort of you know, the, the apogee of that in that that is how high schools work. They have this hierarchy of, yeah. you know, the jock guys and the, the beautiful girls and this is how it works, you know. And, and neither Steinman nor Meatloaf, I mean, they don't Meatloaf fit in didn't even go to college, but no. they would not have been jocks. Yeah. No, Steinman's a weirdo. He would have know. been the nerd, this is weirdo, the yeah, this don't is go near it. Meatloaf would have been this yeah. terrible joke figure. So here's the thing about Steinman is that, you know, he writes, bat out of hell, he can't drive, you know. <laughs> 
he's probably never had a girlfriend. He li- he lives at night. He just he's a very strange, odd it, person. People think that's us talking about Alice Cooper or something. Hmm. Steinman did live at yeah. night. Yeah. He did not come out in the day. Um, when I uh, there were a few occasions when I had to ring him. And it would always be three in the morning yeah. for him, yeah. which was like three in the afternoon <laughs> yeah. for anybody else. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Jim's a strange guy, but he has this deeply romantic vision. And you're right, it kind of, it sort of does tie into a lot of that blue collar rock. The comparison that's always made for Bat Out of Hell is Born to Run, because yeah. a lot of the same musicians play on it. But whereas Springsteen has this very Poe-faced mm version of oh you know here's johnny from new Jersey and he's with gina and she's great and you know they're gonna make it they're gonna make make it it. they're born to run yeah jim almost sends that up you know Mm. you at the start of battle of hell you get back this ridiculous fantastic wonderful rock song that todd rungren who will also talk about you know does so much to to bring to life the next thing you get is this spoken word section about, you know, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? I bet you say that to all the boys. And then, you're into, and then you're into two out of three. But, but it's complete, you know, I think Steinman is saying with that, look, this you may get the reference to Born to Run, you may get, but this is completely different. You know, this is. Yeah, you, um, I always got the feeling with Springsteen. Um, I, I, you know, Springsteen was so hyped in the music press before he became famous in yeah. the 70s, rather before he sold records that I already had those first couple of albums because he was like the new Dylan and I had to... Yeah. F- the only way you could find out in those days was to buy, buy the record. Buy the record, yeah. And um, they were okay, yeah. you know. Um, and then Born to Run, I bought that because that was the big coming out. But I found it, you know, much as I wanted to love it, I found it quite overblown and quite sort of troweled on kind of that horrible sort of American sentimentality. It is. It's very heightened, you know, in the same way that Bat would become heightened, but it lacks the humour of Bat Out of Hell. You know, Bat Out of Hell, and I mean, I think, you know, the, the reason Bat Out of Hell works is Meat plays it completely straight, mm. and he does, and he, al- he always talked about how much it took from him to sing the songs, yeah. because he had to get himself into that, that, into that, character. that state, into that character, the character of Meatloaf. Because when he sings at the end, you know, the end of For Crying Out Loud, last words on the album, For Crying Out Loud, you know, I love you. You know, yeah. it's absolutely meant. Oh, and that, uh, you know, and he feels it. Yeah, he feels, yeah. Whereas I think with Springsteen, he was, he was, you know, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, tramps like us. Yeah, baby. Baby, we were, we were, we were yeah. born to run. Yeah, it's just kind Basically, of dressed up, isn't well, we're it? We're born yeah. to triumph and there's yeah. two of us, yeah. you know. yeah. Whereas consistently on Bat Out of Hell, like two out of three ain't bad. I mean, I, I, <laughs> which is a, what a wonderful yeah, fantastic word. It's like, from I want again. you, I, I need, need you. you, I'm never, ever, ever going to love yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, but Bruce don't be ain't, sad because yeah. two so out of three yeah. ain't bad. Yeah, Bruce ain't right in that one. No, yeah, no. But Bruce is all for one and one yeah, for all. Yeah. And Steinman is like, no, life is I mean, way fucked Yeah, and up, it's that, it's that you know, Steinman's, yeah. Yeah, Springsteen's a terrific lyricist, but Steinman will play with words, and he always plays with words. So yeah. you get these reverses and inversions of what words mean and double meanings and all those kind of things. Yeah, and I think also, I mean, Steinman often would characterise it as his own music, um, his influences, and also what he obviously, how they realised that with Meatloaf, was Wagner meets phil specter yeah um and 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 you told once you hear that you totally get it because steinman was also obsessed with all those girl bands like the shangri-las yes. um not just leader of the pack but you know the, the johnny yeah, you know yeah, those the, death, ones. the great sort of teenage death songs he always said he wanted to write teenage the great teenage death, death song. and that's what bat of hell is that's yeah. his version of you know um i'm trying to think what they are yeah leader of the pack is it the leader of the pack, pack and now and he's gone and then um there's a royal dum, someone Leah, dum, dum, the, yeah there's dum, all yeah all those ones dum, where people in die in terrible yeah i mean that's that that's jim's take on that but the but jim has this musical theater background mm. so there's that overblown element as well and i think two things happen that that work to jim's advantage and make him the writer that he becomes is that First of all, Meat works out how to inhabit his songs. And when he takes them to the stage, he works out they need to be more rock and roll even than they are on the album. If you listen to the album, 
that's up tempo and it's got a load of guitars. All revved up has got a bit of that. Yeah. Paradise has got a bit yeah. of that. But the rest are ballads and they're orchestrated and there's loads of backing vocals and all of those sort of things. So he Meat works out that it needs to be a rock show, you know, and which is really important and he needs to sing like and then Todd Rundgren comes along, who's a genius producer, and Todd produces back and he realizes what it needs to sound like. And I think Jim as a producer would never have worked until he heard what Todd did. And then yeah. he goes, Ah, oh, okay. Be- I get it. I get what you're Todd supposed Rundgren to do. Todd Rundgren also had this incredibly multifaceted background. He, he'd been an artist. He'd had big hit records at the time of his classic double. He did two double albums in a row, yeah. long before Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah. Something, Anything, yeah. which had I Saw the Light and Hello, It's Me and a few others. And then he did A Wizard, A True Star. Yeah. And that was the one where all the critics went, he's gone mad now. Yeah. He's gone too far. But he also produced the first New York Dolls album. He produced loads of different artists. Uh, And he had his own band, Utopia. And I think, so to him, in a way, that's a gig. You know, it's like, like, I know how this should sound. Leave it to, I'll do the motorcycle guitar. He plays all the guitars and he plays them superbly. But to him, I think that's why it captures the -the over-the-top nature of it. Is Rundgren's just going, this is my chance to be a rock star. You know, no irony, no cleverness. It's just this is this is a record that needs that kind of guitar, and he plays it brilliantly. But he plays it with his tongue in his cheek, you know. And, and I think they grasped that sort of opportunity because Rundgren had done so much, even by that point, to to say, "Oh, this is this isn't this isn't people wanting to be taken overly serious." No, I mean, this he, isn't he, a singer songwriter yeah. bearing no, no, his no, soul. It's not Joni Mitchell or something. No, I mean, he he just. I think he just somehow. His sensibility chimed with it and it worked. And also Jim would, you know, it would give weird directions. I know Rundgren's talked about this and lots of people have. He would say things like, can you make it sound like a, a church tower at midnight with, a, you know, the wind? Blow? It wouldn't be like, can you turn the guitars up right, a bit? He'd right. be giving these ludicrous analogies that Rundgren would then interpret or Meat would then interpret. Yeah. So it's this very weird coming together of these three big personalities. It it, it really is. And um, looking at old footage, uh, some of those original clips of Meatloaf with, because it was Ellen Foley on the album, yeah. but Carla DeVito on the stage. Goes on the road, yeah. And um, I, I'd forgotten, but Meatloaf is, is dressed in, what do you call those shirts? He wears shirt? the a dinner ruffle. shirt. He wears the full dinner shirt with ruffles down the ruffles front. Ruffles down the front. If you look at the picture on the back of that, he's got the, He's got the dinner jacket on as well, hasn't he? Yeah, they're they're grabbing Uh, the girl's backside. But that's right. So he's, you know, that that's how he positioned himself initially. Was this kind of which is a which was a, I mean, it was. I don't think people thought it was that because I remember. I don't think we thought it was that bizarre at the time. We just thought it was hopelessly out of step yeah. with what was going yeah. on and especially kind of a freak yeah. show. Especially as he was the kind of scruffy guy anyway. He was never the kind of guy who could put it on and own it. He'd put it on and within two minutes it would be covered <laughs> in sweat. And he'd be, you know, he'd look yeah. a complete yeah. mess after a, a He was know, a like a centaur yeah. galloping around the yeah. stage. He was. So when he then grabs hold of Carla and mm. starts like tonguing her mm. during Paradise by the Dashboard Light, it's sort of, there's kind of disgust and arousal and all of those things it's it's deeply strange it, it's definitely not a hollywood or a stage no, musical kiss because no. also on uh, um uh, i read an interview she gave years ago where she was saying some nights it was like wrestling with an octopus <laughs> because yeah. because it sort of lost in the moment he would get hold of her and not let go and um i think she was engaged at the time or something <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And she had to kind of explain it to her fiance and her mother that it, 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 no, it's it's like a stage. This is a stage yeah. show. Yeah, because Meat was married as well at that point, wasn't he? Uh, no, was I he think married he, to Leslie. They met. Didn't no, they he meet met during Bat, didn't they? Because she was working at the studio. I think she was a receptionist at the studio in Bearsville. I think mm, you've got me there because I in my in my memory, which isn't the most reliable, mm. it was uh, when they came to make the follow up. Um, but I'm, you might be right. You know, there, I'm not John. sure. I think it was before that, just purely because it, she was, wor- and that was the only time they worked at Bearsville. They didn't go back there. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, because there's, you know, they go off on the road, and they, you know, Meatloaf works out that 
these songs need to be rock and roll productions. Firstly, he's massive in Australia, isn't he? He gets big yeah. in Australia first. Yeah. Takes like, ages bit everywhere. Like Abba. Yeah. Yeah. But he, but also there there comes this moment on tour in Australia because Steinman at this point is still the keyboard player yeah. in the band. And Steinman um, was still talking about this to me decades later, how uh, Bat Out of Hell should have been by Meatloaf and, and yeah. Jim Steinman. But in sen- in, instead he gets relegated to that little band at the bottom, Songs by well, Jim Steinman. But that was originally on the back, wasn't it? I mean, I remember this story of that. I think on the first pressings, it was on the, the songs back. by Jim Steinman was on the back, Probably. and then there was that a big was fight. There was a big fight to even get it on the front. Well, Steinman talked. Mrs. Decades later talked to me about being next door at the studio when Meatloaf was getting the call about the cover, and 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 like eavesdropping to hear what's going on, and then yeah. fuming when he realizes that his name isn't going to be on the cover, and then they get to Australia, and Meatloaf's getting all the attention, as is happening everywhere they go. Because it's bat out of hell by meatloaf, and he is this—he yeah. is this well, once almost people, cartoonish but, but, character. But that's once people work out that he is. Because I think at first there was a whole thing of is the band called me? You know, is the band right. just called meatloaf? Yes, because you couldn't have a person. You, you couldn't have a person. Meatloaf. But then they discovered that, that would be no, silly. You know what? This is this guy is called. And meatloaf. then people went, "Oh, he's called meatloaf because he's a big fat yeah, guy." Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Um, but if again on YouTube, you can find clips of like a press conference in Australia. And Jim is literally just sitting there without moving, completely pissed off. And um, probably because it's during the day. Isn't and, it? <laughs> and Meatloaf says something like, "He says something like, um, well, uh, we took our songs, and we and Jim went, we took my songs.' Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is true, you know. I know, true. but to, to bring that up at that, it was like, yeah. Jim, you're not selling it. Yeah. So he leaves. But he's, you can he's see, had but, enough. He leaves. But the you tour. can you can see why. I mean, you know. As much as Meatloaf inhabits those songs, to Steinman they're intensely personal oh, songs. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're his creation. Absolutely, you know, they're all essentially all he has in his life. So to kind of see them taken away by the business, and then he sees, you know, they come to England, they do Old Grey Whistle Test, and the album takes off here, and then eventually it takes off in America. And I think he sees his credit kind of disappearing yeah. into the fame of of Meatloaf. And you can't underestimate the ego of any writer creator but i think especially someone like steinman i remember again decades later talking to him on the phone and uh, he started coughing and i said uh I, he said i'm just gonna get a sip of water so it's okay take your time and he went oh i have your permission to take my time do i <laughs> and you can hear it yeah. on the recording being, no no i didn't mean it like that yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, put you in your place. Yeah, he did, but it, I was just trying to be polite. Yeah. Oh, I've got your mm. permission. It was like, whoa, all right, mate. Yeah. I didn't fucking don't steal stop, your songs. Don't stop being meatloaf with him, mate. <laughs> but but but, then, but you know, so then Jim is tasked with writing the follow up, mm. and one of the great Steinman stories that he would tell, and whether this is true or not, who knows. <laughs> Who is, cares if who it's cares, true? Is he, is he writes an entire album that he loses. Yeah. And it's called Renegade Angel. Yeah. And he claims that he had all of the lyrics in a plastic bag yeah. and he left them somewhere yeah. and and they went and they yeah. were never to be. And he always said he tried to recreate it. And he, I think he does later write a song called Renegade Angel. And he tries to, re, he said he tried to recreate them and he never could. He never could. And you kind of get that, don't you? You know, You'll have had bits, especially in the early days of computers, where you would lose whole bits of writing. It was quite, me, it was quite easy to do, and it would drive you crazy because well, you why could never story quite. Why is story? I lost. Yeah, yeah. You could never quite no rewrite no, it no. in the same way that you'd originally yeah. written it. And I think Steinman had that. So then he write. Then it's this incredible. It's the most productive period of his life mm. because he writes. All the songs uh, for bad for all good. All the songs for bad for good, which he records, and then he writes all the ah, songs. Ah, but let me stop you there. Pause you there because those songs were written to be the follow-up to, to Bat Out of yeah. Hell after Renegade Angel is lost. Yeah, which is a bizarre yeah. interval. But um, and knowing how kind of the issues those two had yeah. amongst each other, who knows whether he lost them or kept them or whatever. But um, 
Meatloaf goes through this period where he loses his voice. Yeah. He has a nervous breakdown. He goes bankrupt. Yeah. So it's he, and he always thought that losing the voice was sort of psychosomatic, didn't yeah. he? He thought that it wasn't a physical. Well, it probably thing. was. Slight. At first, I mean, the maybe, man had a nervous breakdown, yeah. so of course yeah. he lost his voice. Yeah. But no, I mean, it, what, it manifested but, physically, but the, he always thought the problem was it was some sort of psychological block that. But Steinman takes the step. Which uh, was always presented because I, I I used to share a flat with Sandy Robertson, who mm. was about the only person in this country that got meatloaf before everybody else, um, and so he he was one of the first people to get bad for good. He used to talk to Steinman on the phone, and how it was presented was, well, Meat lost his voice; it's probably not coming back. So I've gone ahead and done these songs myself now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. To me, that is an absolutely absurd proposition. I think Steinman, and I think understandably, uh, to a to a degree, uh, Meatloaf definitely lost his voice. He definitely was in trouble. There was a a big breakdown. He went for experimental alternative medicine, including sheep urine injections and all kinds of weird shit. I think Steinman, if that had been Def Leppard or someone, you know, they'd have gone, no, wait, wait, we've got to get the star yeah. of the show back and then we do this. Steinman went, I'll do them. And I think the the record companies were easily talked into it because, you know, meat, I think a lot of them thought Meatloaf really was a one-off. But Steinman was where the gold was. So Steinman records Bad for Good, which I remember listening to and thinking, this is amazing. Yeah, it's a great record. To me, it? it was Bat Out of Hell 2, just no meatloaf. And at the time, I didn't feel that was a huge loss because uh, Steinman just did it so, so well. But then I was looking at a clip because of all this going on at the weekend when I was writing a story about it, of Steinman doing one of the songs on Bad for Good on the old grey whistle test. You're right. And you compare that performance of Meatloaf and Carla doing Paradise by the Dashboard Light or whatever it was. And here is Steinman, and it begins with another, it began in yeah, the, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, before it's, he the, goes it's into, Love, Death and an American Guitar, I think is the uh, spoken word. God piece damn that. Yeah. it, yeah. mummy. Yeah, you've got a hell of a lot to learn about rock yeah. and roll. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. And... There was something slightly Jim Morrison-esque about that. Well, it was quite Oedipal, wasn't it, as I remember it? Completely it was about his mother Oedipal. and his father, yeah. But then goes into the song, and and the man has no stage presence. No, and he also, he's not a great singer. The, no. the thing that always makes me laugh, and I was listening to it in the car coming over, is that my favourite song on that album, Surf's Up, which is right. a great song. Which Meatloaf then does Meatloaf many does years it, later. Yeah. But <clears> on the record... It's sung by Rory Dodd, who yeah. would who would demo a lot of Jim's songs. And if you go on YouTube, you he can did find all it, of that. He, yeah, you can find him demoing a lot. But on the record, unless you take out your microscope <laughs> and look under Surfs Up, where it says in brackets "vocals by Rory Dodd," Jim mimes it. You know, Jim mimes it and pretends it's him. Yeah, which is amazing. You know, it's astonishing, really. There was a coterie of people, um, apparently in New York, uh, that Steinman. Uh, used to kind of work up all that material. Rory was a key one, yeah. but there were others. Yeah, well, Ellen Foley demoed a lot of his stuff as well. She she demoed Heaven Can Wait, 
and she does it. I know you can still hear that, and she does a fantastic version of it. I think they kind of based the in Battle of Hell the musical. They based the stage version on Ellen Foley's version, right. rather than meets because it's a lot more overblown. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so bad for good comes but the, out. Flopperoni. But at the same time, Steinman has also written the album that will become Dead Ringer. Apart, I mean, there's a couple of older songs on there because more than you deserve. Yeah. He records more than you yeah. deserve on there. But he's and and they come out. I mean, it's one of those ridiculous things. They come out within about what six, six months, months of each, of each other. That that so was crazy, more than norm in those days, yeah. though. But but no, um, Bad for Good just dies a death. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. And they'd put a huge amount of money in Bad for Good because I remember buying it when it came out. This was pre my getting sent free album days. And it actually, the first pressing came with a free single as well. Oh, did it? And it had uh, uh, a song called The Storm. And you, what you were supposed to do was put oh, the, the storm, storm on. Yeah. You were supposed to put yeah. the storm on and play the single and then take that off and put the album on. And then when the album finished, you put the other side of the single on. So they'd spent loads Brilliant of money idea, on it. Yeah, yeah. it's great. They'd spent yeah. loads of money on it. Well, they had plenty it, of money to spend. Yeah, exactly, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a whole other story, story about, about money. how yeah. everybody got yeah. ripped off. yeah. I think Steinman was the only one that really came out with proper money because of the song he had the publishing. publishing. Yeah, but yeah. in terms of record sales, I mean, Steve Popovich, who'd uh, worked for CBS and Epic um, uh, as a great A and R guy, uh, then came from Cleveland, wanted to go back to Cleveland because he wanted his parents to be closer to his children, and starts Cleveland International, yeah. which is parented by Epic and CBS but puts out Bat Out of Hell and no one is interested. And he literally energizes the whole sales force to get it happening. People in the West Coast wouldn't play it because they said it was too East Coast. You know, it's the days yeah. of different radio yeah, stations, yeah. not just one amorphous blob that plays shit. Um, Popovich went to his grave still being owed millions by Epic and CBS. Yeah. Purely for bat out. And doesn't hell. isn't there a whole? I'm just remembering now. There's a whole other story that's kind of like Ozark <laughs> or something, where they all get involved with flying drugs in or something, don't they? I, uh, was that Popovich or was that someone else? No, that wasn't Popovich. But that was, was a he's, management he's, figure. That yeah, comes that's in. right. Yeah, but this he gets is, involved with them all. It, it, the story does get very very complicated. Yeah. But I think maybe the point in this context is, it got so complicated that I think it completely muddied the waters in terms of people knowing what is going on with meatloaf yeah, yeah. because dead ringer was a flop in america it, yeah. it, it, it was, was a, a, it was a hit here because of the single was a hit with yeah Cher. which again was with Cher. yeah yeah i mean but she kind of makes that song. yeah she does because you you know what you do realize when you play and i love that i love dead ringer it's almost in many ways i, I like it more than bat but what? Not, not quite but, what but it's got some fantastic songs on oh yeah and uh but you can tell how different Meatloaf's voice is. It's not the voice that's on Bat Out of Hell. No, it's lost, that never came back. It's lost something. It's still great, and he performs brilliantly on it, but there is something that's gone that never comes back after Well, Bat. I think they flogged him to death. I, I think there really was... It wasn't just because he looked like a grotesque. Yeah. You know, this is decades ago when fat shaming hadn't been invented. I remember... Um, I think I told you this story where... I won't say the journalist's name, but he, he, he went on to work for a music paper. And at the time, he worked for like the Altrincham Evening News. And he came he bur up in the north, and he, he burst into the dressing room. And he said, hey, up, meat love, is it glandular or what then? <laughs> and, of course, he got thrown yeah, out of the dressing right, room. Yeah. Um, but that sort of thing would go on. It wasn't considered... It was like... It, it, you know, Meatloaf, he was expected to be in on the joke that he was yeah. this ugly fat guy, which he wasn't at all, you know, in on the, the joke, as it were. But I think um, because of the whole confusion over bad for good, then Dead Ringer, by the time you get to like 83, the, the next album, there have been stories of, oh, he's not with Steinman, oh, this weird manager, he went bankrupt, and da-da-da-da-da. I think that stuff fucks things up in it a fan's yeah. mind. Yeah, oh, it does. It you does. can't and follow then, yeah, the narrative. Then he, and he comes out with Midnight of the Lost and Found, yeah. which is a terrible record. And essentially, I like the title track. Yeah, I didn't mind the title it's okay. track. It's but not I mean, Bat Out of Hell. But, but everyone try. you know, all of his non-Steinman albums 
try to ape Steinman. Yes. And you just can't do it. No. No, no one sort of writes like Jim. So it just doesn't work. He'd have almost been better off doing something radically different. There was also, um, I think, again, what muddies the waters is in 1983, Bonnie Tyler has this a huge number one record in America, in the UK, yeah. and all over the world, sells literally sells millions. And it's probably the most Steinman song, Meatloaf song yeah. of all time. I'd do anything... Oh, not, I'd do anything um, total Eclipse of the Heart. Total Eclipse of the Heart, yeah. which uh, you mentioned the song earlier, the Air Supply song that Steinman... Oh, Making wrote. Love Out of Nothing at All. Yeah. At one point, Total Eclipse was number one in America, and number two was yeah. Air Supply. Yeah, doing making love out of nothing at all and where was and meatloaf at that point not no, even in the top and, 100 and meatloaf i mean again meatloaf said many things in interviews that you could you know absolutely worth disregarding because he just talking out of his hat you know but he always said that that total eclipse and making love out of mm. nothing at all were written for him yeah whether they were or not i don't know i mean when you I, listen well to, i mean to, to me they were steinman so yeah they're steinman anybody exactly. could have they're, done they're, them yeah but it, well any loser could have done them, you know <laughs> That's the thing. In you, fairness to Air Supply, they did have a few hits before. They that. did, but they, I mean, you've ever seen them? Can you name them? Have you ever, you know, they're a couple of little wimpy Australian <laughs> blokes, you know. I didn't even know they were Australian yeah, exactly, until the other yeah. day. Well, know, I so, knew and instantly yeah, forgotten. instantly forgotten. So, so, I mean, yeah, whether whether or not that, that's the case, I don't know. But okay, yeah, you're right. I'm going uh, to take a guess. I'm going to take a guess. So he's written Bad Out of Hell, which was a summation of many years. Bad for Good which was definitely written for Meatloaf. Dead Ringer, written for Meatloaf. And then straight after that, he (laughs) writes these two songs that aren't for Meatloaf. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's right. He wrote them for Meatloaf, but by now they were bitter enemies. What I kind of wish I'd asked Jim in the times I interviewed him, and I I don't know why I didn't ask him that, is who he has in mind when he's writing. Mm. Because that would have been interesting to know, because... at the time of Pandora's Box, which is an album he does with four girl yeah. singers, he very much did write that with women's voices in mind. Yeah. Whether and, we, and some of those songs went on to be hits for um, oh, uh, the Celine, Titanic Celine singer. Dion, what was it? Celine Dion, Barbara, um, Barbara Streisand. Know, Barbara Streisand does... Uh, actually, Barbara Streisand did Left in the Dark, which is the oh, last yeah. song on Bad, Bad for, for Good. Bad for Good, right. And is the sort of... Bad for Good sort of maps Bat Out of Hell, doesn't it? You know, in terms of how it's how it's written. It, it's, how the, it's the sequel. It's, it's the same thing. And, it you know, as Bat ends with For Crying Out Loud, um, uh, Bad, for, Bad good. for Good ends with Left in the Dark, which is, again, another one of Steinman's brilliant plays on words. You know, Left in the Dark meaning Leave Me Alone and also Left in the Dark meaning, you know, Absolutely. blindsided and yeah. not knowing again, what's going on. Yeah. Again. Yeah, so, but... When Streisand sings it, it doesn't work. You know, she's too famous. She's too big. It's the song means has a complete. You can't imagine Barbara Streisand being, being left, left in, in the, the dark. dark. You know, no. no, it doesn't work like that. You yeah, know, it has to be. You know, if it was Pandora- me, it would have fucking worked. Because you. Why believed. didn't Pandora's box work? Because. That was incredibly hyped. A lot of money spent on that. Well, it retrospectively works, doesn't it? It's like a lot of Jim's things. You know, the songs Songs become hits for other people, including me. TV was on the other night, and um, it's all coming back to me now. Is on yet another advert. You know, I mean, that song must have made millions. It's an amazing song. Well, that that ended up being recorded by Celine Dion, was it? Uh, Yeah, she did record that, and loads of people have recorded that. You know, it's uh, so. All of those songs, and Meat records a lot of the songs. Do you think Pandora's Box didn't work because it wasn't focused on one? Like yeah, Bonnie maybe because it was four different Celine. singers and none of them were famous at the time, which again didn't really well, matter. With Bonnie Jim's wasn't stuff. exactly famous. No, that's or right. Meat Loaf wasn't famous. So it didn't really matter in those terms, but. Yeah. So um, why wasn't it successful? Who knows? Because you went, didn't you go to the, you went to that, the video show? That was with him and Ken Russell, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jim <laughs> Steinman and Ken Russell. <laughs> oh, what insane. could possibly yeah. not go Three over days. the top? Three days in, um, what's that place called? Where they do all the Hammer Horror films? Shepparton? Or? Yeah, no, not oh, Shepparton, uh, the other one. Uh, whatever it was, yeah. you know. There. Three days there. You know, insane, insanity. What was the track they were doing? It's all coming back to me now, which wow. was the lead-off single. Wow. But obviously, of course, it had to be edited for radio because on the album it's about eight or nine minutes long. <laughs> of course, but the but the videos like about twenty minutes long. <laughs> so let me ask you, John, 
what was it about the three-day video shoot yeah, featuring, hang on, featuring Ken, directed by Ken Russell <laughs> and, 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 and a song by Jim Steinman? And featuring four scantily clad, yeah. beautiful women. Why would what it, was it about I that just that felt, drew you? I just felt I needed to be there for the whole thing. Because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise the story wouldn't have worked. You might miss something. I might miss, yeah, exactly. A yeah. crucial scene. Yeah, exactly. An edit. And as I, I think I said... A beautiful before, when image. We, when we spoke about Jim, when, when Jim died, the, the hilarious thing was, you know, Jim just going up and whispering into Ken Russell's ear. He wouldn't, for whatever reason by now, Jim's completely in the, the, the sort of you know reclusive Phil Spector whatever was going yeah. on in his head yeah. luckily he didn't murder anybody but he was as far as we yeah, know as far as we, he was the sort of Phil Spector from Meatloaf's career yeah type character and he and you know Ken would be doing and Jim would go up to Ken and go and just whisper in his ear he's got these bloody gloves on you know he's got like it a, always had the he's gloves got like on he's got like a black leather jacket and with all paintings of stuff all over it and black leather gloves and he's like whispering in and then Kenny go all right we need more boa constrictors or whatever it is that's what i think he was we need more he was he was there was a boa that's what the 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 one whole day of that video was elaine caswell who sang originally sang it's all coming back to me lying on it was like a, a uh, it was like a sunbed, but what, you know, just a lit. You imagine what a sunbed's like with the light coming up from underneath. Yeah. Obviously, it wasn't ultraviolet, so it wasn't. Well, like, presume pick it up wasn't. a nice tan yeah, at yeah. the same time. Why um, not? It was just her on this thing being shot from above and having snakes put on her, and they wanted the snake to do a certain sort of pattern. You know, of Ken Russell. They did. The snake's got to do what you, what Ken yeah. Russell wants the snake to do. And what does Ken Russell so, want yeah, the exactly. snake to do? That's so the question. So it's taking forever. You know, it's like, can we just get playback? You know, and it's on and on and on. So it was just amazing. And that, but I, you I were think, there for that, weren't you? I was you, there. You, I did, you, you were documenting. I was looking at, was looking you at the were snake thing, Has the boa constrictor done what it should have done? You know. <laughs> so it was on I mean, the naked lady. The na- yeah, yeah, it was semi-naked. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So I mean, you know. But it was. But it was, you also had dinner with Jim, didn't you? Dinner it was lunch. It was lunch with oh, Jim. Really? Yeah. That when he ordered because he was you know, he was doing promo, so he. I mean, maybe because he'd flown over the Atlantic and the time change or whatever it was an Indian. But if it's the middle of the day for him, that yeah, would have been the middle di- of the night. Middle of the night, night in, dinner. In, yeah. That's dinner time. So we went to an Indian restaurant in, and it was somewhere around West London. I wish I could remember where it was. Phil Savage, who was his PR at the time, who was at Virgin, who then went on to form Savage and Best, the big sort of Britpop company. Phil was a great guy, and he kind of liked Jim, I think. He sort of thought Jim was funny. And uh, and was indulging him because he was Jim Steinman. So we go to this restaurant, and Jim just ordered everything on the menu. And, and then sat there. And they're bringing that trolley. You know, they bring it all on trolleys. Trolleys of stuff. And of course, the, in, the guys in the restaurant are thinking, this is great. We've sold out. We've sold everything we've got in the kitchen. And Jim's there, and he's taking his glove off. Thank God! But he's just putting his fingers only in everything. One yeah, only one. He's putting his fingers in everything. He had long fingernails. Yeah. You know? yeah. And he's putting his fingers in every bowl and putting his. And he's going, "Oh, you should really try that. <laughs> really try this one." <laughs> and it was just his. Try but this it, one. I've just stuck it, my yeah. filthy fingernails. Yeah. Into. I remember I was talking at, at the time. There was a book by a guy called James Robert Baker, which I don't know if you've ever seen. It's called Fuel Injected Dreams. And it's this insane like novel. It's a great, it's a great book. And if Steinman had ever written a novel, he would have <laughs> written Fuel Injected Dreams. It's insane. It's about a about a D an LA DJ who is obsessed with a all girl singing group because they were the soundtrack to his first romance to his girlfriend that disappeared and he never knew what happened to her. So he obsessed over the band because the singer in the band was exactly like his girlfriend. Right. And then Not he, at all Steinman. The, no, no, then. then he meets the producer of the record, who's called Dennis Contrell, <laughs> who's just a, like a Phil Spector standing. So it's this insane, and it just becomes more and more operatic and insane. And the 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 ending is just it just blows your mind. And I remember telling Jim about it, saying you you know you've got to read this novel, Jim. And whether he ever did or not, I don't know. But that's what we were, we, that's what we were discussing for virtually this whole lunch, you know. The, the thing about the gloves, by the way, reminds me, um, again, you never know uh, in the actuality how 100% accurate these things are. But um, Meatloaf told a story. He said, 
when he first met Jim, you know, went in at the piano, <laughs> he said Jim was completely dressed in the whole caboodle. He said with these like el- elbow length gloves, <laughs> like gauntlets. Yeah. And he said he peeled them off to reveal more gloves underneath and then started playing the piano. <laughs> he probably did. I mean, that has that the ring of Steinman, truth. That has it? the ring of truth. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what has happened by the kind of fractured 80s and 90s till mm. they reunite for mm. Bat 2 mm. is that they're both stranded because to go back to that Venn diagram analogy, mm. Meatloaf is both of them. And as Meat, there was a lovely quote in one of the obituaries where Meat was talking about Jim dying. And, he, you know, he essentially said it, it was something like, you know, it was like part of me is gone. You yeah, know, was it, yeah. Because it was. Well, it was, you know, well it, I, I always characterised them as Jim as the Dr. Frankenstein and Meatloaf as, as, as the monster. Yeah. 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 Well, he even called Bat yeah. Out of Hell 3, the monster is yeah. loose. So, I mean, they're lost. They're sort of, although Jim's having hits, they're kind of lost without each other. And they have this love-hate relationship that goes on and well, on. Well, that's and how... Bat 2 eventually comes, yeah. which is, you know, if Pandora's box had been the success that yeah, they envisaged, bat, I'd bat do anything for ne- love probably would've... would have been by Pandora's yeah. box. Because yeah. um, I think Steinman had these songs. Kick- I mean, I think he just wrote these songs I think by and that time as well, also he, places to use them. Yeah, he'd had his most sort of intense creative phase by then. So I think though he goes on and writes more, a lot more famous songs, he's not got that that burst of energy that brought you bat and then yeah. bad for good and then dead ringer like one after the other he can't do that anymore well can you imagine when you've sold 43 million copies yeah. of bat and you've written all the songs yeah it must be and they are extraordinary but they're not just like she loves you yeah like the beatles yeah. you know they these are extraordinary yeah, they take a long time they take a long time to yeah. write and if you'd written yeah, one has, of them in your yeah, life you'd be right. delighted and he has yeah. these motifs and themes that he keeps going back to he wrote a vampire musical didn't he that was eventually produced in german i think yeah oh ta- tans the vampire there you yeah go, so yeah. he was doing all this different stuff but he, he was hired to produce yeah. the deaf leopard oh he was which goes, com- which goes entirely wrong and they to this day swear that he was sitting in the control room reading a newspaper <laughs> which <laughs> I, I, I don't know if steinman ever read a newspaper I don't know, but kind of maybe he was reading like a you know yeah a, a, a vampire yeah, novel yeah. yeah but and he also he produced Sisters of Mercy didn't he which he does a great job on them he does uh, yeah. Dominion and yeah all Dominion of that stuff. very Steinman yeah but um, but he's still lost until they come back together the real thing doesn't come back together and then it comes back together with it's all coming back to me now I think um, I think Meatloaf understood that. And, and the times I, because I, I interviewed him a fair bit over the years, quite a few times. And um, back in 2006, when Bat 3 came out, I went to, he was staying at the Mandarin Oriental in this big suite. And yeah. He had this huge white piano. And, and uh, we actually had breakfast. He, he had this thin porridge with no sugar and no dairy and all this because he was on a diet again. And I was having bacon and eggs, you know. Mm. He was very grumpy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even then, he couldn't stop talking about Steinman. He'd sort of go, well, no, we're brothers, we're in love, but we hate on each other sometimes. And then tell you mm. 50 things yeah, that were that terrible hate, about yeah, Steinman. Yeah. And that day, um, uh, he was talking about something that had happened, and I, I was looking it up, eight years before, which was that song, um, No Matter What. They do. Boys Boys Zone had the big number one. Meat claimed Jim had written that for him. But it was used in the soundtrack to the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. um, Oh, Whistle Down the Wind. Whistle Down the Wind. And according to the credits, um, Lloyd Webber wrote the music. I'm not so sure about that. That probably was just a production deal. Yeah, yeah. But Meat Meat did do a version of that, which came out on some box mm. set, you know. But the point I'm, I guess I'm making is, is that, uh, and in the very last conversation I had with Meat on the phone in like 2017, still going on about Jimmy. Yeah. And it was either you know uh, Jimmy, you know, ah, oh, yeah, because I mean they went, they fought each other in court. Oh, they did, yeah. They uh, and and when Bat Two comes out. Mm. You actually see the the skeleton beneath it because although it's all coming back to me as a new song, I think Lost Boys and Golden Girls is on that, which is from Surf's Bad for Good. Surfs up, Surf's up, up think, is yeah. on that, so 
they're Jim's not written a whole new album. No, they're ta- you know they're taking stuff from the back catalogue and meets and meet the meet then goes well it was written for me anyway which it sort of was you know and because back three wasn't um, Steinman has some songs on there but it was produced I think Desmond Child yeah. has some and meet no, was Desmond saying Child to me, did back three didn't that's he? what I'm saying back oh, three. three sorry yeah yeah and meet saying to me oh no Jim was on the phone with Desmond you yeah. know he was giving him direction I'm thinking was he yeah. I mean but, I have to say Desmond Child got closer than anyone else did to writing Steinman style well, songs he was, but probably a child yeah. of Steinman in many yeah, ways. Yeah, probably, yeah. But my point is this is, I think Meat was clear, he, I think he understood implicitly that him and Jim were the magic formula. Yeah. And would have been very, very happy to continue that way. But Steinman, I don't think, ever, ever felt the same way or wouldn't admit to. I think he still was resentful over the fact that he didn't get correct billing on the original album. I think he loved it that he proved he could have these huge hits with other oh, artists. Oh, I bet he did. I bet he did. Even though they were basically yeah. the, they were meatloaf songs. Yeah. But here's the other thing about Jim as well, is that, and I think especially as he got older, he started to return to what his first love was, which was musical theatre. Yeah. So he, you know, he has ambitions in that sphere that, Meat doesn't really, yeah. You know, though Meat started in it as well, you know. Meat's a st- Meat's well, making movies. Meat's, well, you know, because well, you got to remember in the middle of this, Meat makes Fight Club, which is one of the most transgressive, brilliant landmark movies of the age. Really. Well, let's talk a bit more about that then, because we've talked a lot about Steinman. Yeah. Meatloaf himself, I don't think ever got the credit he deserved as an actor because no, no. Uh, way, way, way back in the movie Roadie, he did a really good job. Uh, which was between Bat and Dead Ringer, I think. Um, we saw him in funny cameos in Wayne's World, and I didn't see the Spice Girls movie, but he was in that as well. But he did lots of um, other did, roles. He did It's a Royal Knockout as well. That's not he did, yeah. We'll, 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 glaze <laughs> we'll glaze over that. <laughs> but Fight Club, I mean, if you look at some of the scenes, he plays Robert Bob uh, Bitch Tits. Yeah. Um, some of his scenes in that with... Um, Edward Norton. Yeah, yeah are fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. Really yeah. acting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in the book, I, I'm thinking in the movie, I think in the movie as well, yeah, he's he's taking, is he like, he's either got an excess of or he's taking loads of estrogen. Yeah. And that's why he's, he's got, got these the big, huge breasts. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously the point of Fight, you know, Fight Club is about masculinity and, uh, yeah. you know, the, having no outlet for it beyond these, uh, you know, these days, what becoming you call a woke. You call yeah. it woke now. Well, yeah, woke yeah. didn't exist no, then. Didn't exist. But he and he meet, meet. So he's playing against type, really. He's not. He's playing a kind of completely non-macho character. Mm. Uh, he's not the kind of belligerent stage presence that no, he was. No, he's you know. wonderfully vulnerable. Yeah. yeah, but I think he was vulnerable. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because he understood. I think he. Imp- if you said to Meatloaf, "Look, play a fat guy who's mm. cut," you know, he mm. implicitly understood what that was. When you see him. Um, those last couple of times I interviewed him, he he definitely uh, I don't know was trying to be more mature about things. But I think by then he realised his career was over in terms mm. of touring and making any more records. He told me that him and Jim had been working on a couple of new songs together. That means Jim had written songs <laughs> and said Meek can sing them. Yeah. That there would be an album. And possibly some shows. Of course, there never was. I mean, Steinman himself was very, very ill. But you get this very sad coda to Meat's career where, again, if you go on YouTube, you can find um, clips of him singing at... uh, It's not the Super Bowl, but it's the Australian... Oh, there is, yeah, yeah. And the voice is gone. It's long gone. He's doing his best, but the voice is gone. There's that very tragic clip at the very last show he ever gave in uh, Alberta, Canada, in June 2016, where he collapses on stage yeah. quite slowly. Yes. But as he hits the deck and is gasping for breath, you can still hear his lead yeah. ironically doing i do yeah, anything yeah. for love. Yeah. And you can virtually see the crew all doing cut-off yeah. signs for each other. Stop, stop. Um, now, Meatloaf is by f- definitely not the only vocalist to do that. But... At the time before that was slight, even now people are shocked that people use technology. I know it's crazy, yeah. I mean, I think it, but the, but the, but it made it very sad, didn't it? It kind of did, and they make 
you know, Braver Than We Are, which is their last record yeah. together, neither of them at their best, but there's this kind of heroic quality to it in that they're both, you know, fighting off the years, as it were. Um, I think actually one of the key, so I think it's on back too, isn't it? The uh, objects in the rearview mirror that appear closer than they are, yeah. which is one of the last sort of great songs that Steinman writes. That's kind of very Was elegiac. Was that on Bad for Good? It seemed, no, it's not. No, it's okay. not. Okay. No, it's, it's, one, of his later, like one, yeah, of it's his one of his later songs, but it's, and I think it kind of has that sadness in it that Meatloaf sort of captures in his later singing. But they decide to do the musical of Bat Out of Hell. Don't they? You know, and, oh, and it, well, when you say St- that, well, Steinman does. Now, here's the odd thing, and here's where we go back to the Venn diagram, and it sort of, for, for no pun intended, comes full circle. Is that Bat Out of Hell, the musical, is billed as Jim Steinman's yeah. Bat Out of Hell. Yeah, um, Jim Steinman's Bat Out of Hell, the musical. The musical, yeah. And Meatloaf is not mentioned Anywhere. at all on Anywhere. the billing, even though the album cover artwork is used and all of that. But Jim is ill, so who comes to London Meatloaf. to promote it? Meatloaf. And I always thought that's like his last thing for Jim. You know, it's like he went because Jim couldn't, even though if you look at the pictures of Meatloaf, he's obviously very ill. I, that was the last time I spoke mm. to him on the phone. And call me a cynic, but I tell you what I took from that. My takeaway was, I think you're right. I think there was a, a, a big element of meat. Uh, uh, helping jimmy out if you like but i also feel quite strongly this was meat even though he's 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 got no dog no what they call it dog in the race no no skin in the game in fact he's been completely ousted by steinman from his greatest moment bat out of hell um he comes to london to promote it because jimmy can't but I feel Meat was also you. You know, he saw that as okay. I'm not gonna. I'm not getting anything from this. My name's not even mm. in it. But most people don't know that, and I'll get a shit ton of publicity. I, I think it was just something yeah, for him oh, to certainly. do. Oh, certainly. Know? And also, I mean, you know, all of the cast were wanting Meat's approval of their versions of the songs, and of course they did. You know, they've heard him. I did know, a. He, I did a radio interview on Saturday night. I can't. I can't remember who it was with, but they had. Um, they had the current lead lead uh, actor in Bat Out of Hell, the musical. Yeah. Now, in fairness, he'd only been appointed in 2019, and then within within nine months or six months, whatever, that COVID cancelled the show. But it's now back, and it's going to tour. Oh, is it? Because I, I want to see. I didn't see it. You see. No, I didn't see it either, but they had this well, young maybe, guy. Maybe we should go maybe together. Maybe we should go together. We'll go together. No, because we wanted to see, what's his name? Steve Steinman. Steve Steinman. We've got a whole other, whole other program whole about other how program. this affects okay. Steve Steinman. Yeah, we'll get to that. But, um, so they've got me on th- this radio show, on the phone, and this other guy, who Eric something, and they're trying to talk to him about Meatloaf. And he's just a young actor. Yeah, he probably doesn't know. He yeah. doesn't know fuck yeah. all. And um, he's waffling away, doing his best, bless his heart. And they come to me, and it's game over, because I start telling it. And um, it comes to right towards, because I'm, I'm owning this motherfucker. And the other guy just hung up. He just hung up. <laughs> <laughs> they went, and, and Eric, what? Do, oh, yeah. Eric, we've lost Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, he's probably gone... Yeah. this this yeah. guy's making me look bad you know yeah. which wasn't the intention it was just to if you're listening eric he didn't mean it yeah well a little bit little bit little bit it's eric. like meat coming over and standing in front of the battle e- eric thought he was promoting the musical yeah but he w- i yeah. was talking about a man named meatloaf yeah exactly which yeah. very few people really knew well that's right well i mean again it goes back to the analogy of meatloaf the character versus the guy you know and i think in his you know i'm sure i saw something probably in the daily mail or something like like in his later years what he liked doing was sitting at home he had a big room with all the sports channels and he liked watching the sports channels and uh kicking back at home and why well, not you know sorry are we talking about you or meatloaf both here? of us that's why we got on so famously <laughs> and on that note um there was no one like him before. I don't think he was almost like the he was almost like the bizarro world Elvis. He, he was in a way, and I think 
you know, let's not overlook the quality mm. of his singing, especially in those early, in the early years. Early days, yeah, for sure. Um, especially, and yeah, yeah, as you say, a unique performer. And Bat Out of Hell will live forever. It will outlive mm. Meet and Jim. Well, it already has. Already, but I mean, you know, it will it will go on and on. I'm sure as a musical and as whatever else it ever comes back as. Next, the movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be good. Okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How do I stop this, Fern? <laughs>